Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. The big TV event of the month, maybe of the year, is The Underground Railroad, a 10-part series on Amazon Prime Video. For those who haven't heard about it, it's a historical drama. It's being called the most ambitious take on American slavery since Roots. Roots was on TV in 1977, more than 40 years ago. For comment, we turn to Eric Foner. He wrote the book on the hidden history of the Underground Railroad. It's called Gateway to Freedom, published in 2015. We talked about it here. Eric, of course, taught American history at Columbia for a long time. His work on the history of Reconstruction and the Civil War era has won the Pulitzer Prize, the Bancroft Prize, and the Lincoln Prize. He's also written for the New York Times op-ed page, the TLS, the LRB, and The Nation, where he's a member of the editorial board. Eric, welcome back. Good to talk to you, John. Well, Barry Jenkins, the filmmaker here, told the New York Times that the big question he faced at the outset was, do we really need more images of black people getting brutalized? He said there was a story he needed to tell, quoting here, not about the physical violence of slavery, but something subtler about the psychic and emotional scourge and the spiritual strength required for any individual to have come out alive. He also met with a focus group of black people in Atlanta who had read the Colson Whitehead book, which is the basis for the TV series. Their advice was, quote, you have to show everything. It needs to be hard. It needs to be brutal. How brutal is it? It's pretty brutal. Uh, there are certainly many scenes with violence of one kind or another directed against uh, black people, both slave and free particularly the first uh, of the 10 episodes and the last of the 10 episodes have pretty big uh, warning or uh, alerts at the beginning that this that these uh, episodes show uh, graphic images of violence and that uh, viewers should be forewarned whippings uh, sexual assaults etc uh, etc et yeah it's not easy to take and 
it's a kind of artistic decision and maybe a political decision how much you want to uh, emphasize the violence and brutality of slavery. That's real. I mean, that's the way slavery was. It was a system of violence. And so uh, many people feel well to sugarcoat that or to sort of have it uh, visible indirectly doesn't quite do justice to the story. On the other hand, it can kind of shock and drive away potential viewers, which would not be what the directors uh, wish to happen. Now, you know, that's not the first one. 12 Years a Slave, the a film of a few years ago, uh, had some pretty violent uh, scenes of whippings, etc. So this is not the first time we have, uh, we have seen that. I thought it was occasionally gratuitous, but generally speaking, this is what slavery was. Remember, uh, Lincoln in the second inaugural address uh, spoke about 250 years of the blood drawn by the lash. That was in his second inaugural address. That's what you do see here on a number of occasions. In the, but that's not all it is. It's 10 hours of film, of television. There's plenty more than just the scenes of violence. Pinnacle or the nadir maybe of, of the violence portrayed here is when one escaped slave is flayed and burned to death on the lawn while the owner and his guests enjoy a, a banquet and dancing. Uh, in the New York Times, their wonderful TV critic James Poniewozik asked, who needs to see this? Who can bear to? I wonder if you had the same reaction. Well, that was a pretty uh, difficult to take scene. One thing I'll say about Colson Whitehead, who wrote the novel, as you mentioned, that this is based on, uh, he knows African-American history very well. Uh, he's not a professional historian, he's a novelist, but you know, just about everything in this film, in the book, in the film, happened in some place or another. It didn't happen in quite the same way that uh, it's in the book. It didn't happen in the chronological order that Whitehead has invented. That's because that's he's a novelist. He's not uh, tied down to the very specifics of, of history. Yeah, that was a pretty difficult uh, scene to watch. But, you know, there were plenty of examples after the Civil War and into the 20th century of lynchings in the South in which victims were burned alive. Maybe not at a big party, but certainly often with large numbers of white spectators kind of cheering on the murderers. So, um, you know, this is part of American history, what he's showing you there. The TV series follows the basic conceit of the Colson Whitehead novel that the Underground Railroad is a real train, a kind of a subway that runs underneath the ground. Colson Whitehead explained when his novel uh, came out that this was an idea he had as a kid when he first heard about the Underground Railroad. And the central figure, the, the slave Cora, who is escaping on the Underground Railroad, is pursued by the slave catcher Ridgeway. People like Ridgeway did have law and order on their side, and not just the law in slave states. This was federal law. Tell us how that worked. Well, in 1850, the uh, federal government enacted the uh, Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, which made it a federal crime to uh, assist runaway slaves and made it a federal responsibility, not just of the states, to uh, capture and apprehend and uh, retrieve uh, runaway slaves. It led to all sorts of confrontations in the North. It led to violent rescues of fugitives. It didn't solve the problem, obviously. It, it further exacerbated sectional uh, tensions. Uh, but I want to make the point, which uh, 
that calling the book and the film The Underground Railroad is a bit of a misnomer. It's not really about that. Yes, this kind of interesting little uh, device of having a real train running underground and Cora uh, escaping from one place to another on it from at time to time. Uh, it's in there, but this is not about the Underground Railroad. It's more about freedom than about slavery. It's about what Cora and other uh, Blacks encounter in different parts of the United States once they are on the run and uh, escaping from slavery. It's much more about what happens after slavery, actually. As you say, the train makes various stops where Cora has various adventures that form the episodes of the 10-part series. In the North Carolina of the Underground Railroad, it's an all-white state that has banned slavery, but it's also banned black residents. Is there any historical basis for that? Absolutely. Yes. As somebody says in the film, uh, you know, North Carolina has abolished slavery and has also abolished Negroes, at least from its own borders. Uh, yes. The notion of Negro exclusion was uh, widely shared among many white people before the Civil War. First of all, there was the colonization movement which was devoted to getting all the black population out of the United States to Africa, where they set up Liberia or to Central America or Haiti. Uh, many leading political figures were uh, members of the American Colonization Society. There were also states, including Illinois, where Lincoln, of course, was from, Indiana, uh, Oregon, uh, which enacted laws or constitutional provisions saying that only white people can migrate to this state, that black people can't, they're excluded. So, you know, yes, Whitehead takes these things further than the reality, but that's what a novelist does. If black people are found in North Carolina in this story, they are killed right off. They're not just uh, sent out of the state. Uh, there's a whole uh, road uh, lined by the bodies of lynched black people that is seen briefly and discussed. Uh, this is the penalty if you're black and you're found in North Carolina. In other words, when I said before, this is about freedom, that is one extreme version of black freedom where they're just expelled altogether. Yeah. Slavery has ended, but, uh, you know, not to the benefit of African-Americans. However, before North Carolina in this story, Cora alights in South Carolina. The Now, to us, South Carolina is the cockpit of secessionism. But here, South Carolina has abolished slavery. It's still in existence in Georgia where uh, Cora escapes from, but she f finds in South Carolina, apparently a kind of an interracial, uh, harmonious society where black people free and former slave are walking the streets, well-dressed, there are whites assisting them, there are schools for black people. She says, this seems like a, a paradise compared to slavery, but very slowly, she begins to discover that there's this underside, which again is based on history. There's the underside of eugenics, of, a, of a, an attempt to kind of limit black uh, re uh, reproduction, to make sure only the fittest are able to uh, have children. Uh, medical experiments on blacks. One person talks about what they call the bad blood. Well, that comes right out of the Tuskegee experiment of the 1930s, 40s. Uh, so even just below the surface of apparent racial harmony is this a different kind of effort to subjugate the black community, not 
just not throwing them all out like North Carolina, uh, but sort of uh, in a eugenic way, kind of managing their uh, most intimate air- areas of their life. So, yeah, let me ask you about the Indiana episode. This is towards the end of the series where Cora finds a farm that's owned by a free black man named Valentine, which has a thriving black community there who peacefully live alongside white settlers, but eventually they are attacked by a white mob, which burn the farm to the ground and murder black residents. Does that have any basis in American history? Well, this is a kind of a, a, a utopian commune, you might say, Valentine yeah. Farm, but of all black people uh, and uh, owned. The, 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 the local people in a nearby town kind of recognize that they own the land, the, the black people, and they're farming and producing wine, and everything seems to be, again, fairly harmonious. Uh, but um, then the town itself, the farm, faces this question, should they harbor fugitive slaves? violating the federal law. And uh, they have a debate about this. And in the end, the the local whites who have been actually supportive of them turn around and say, no, we don't want people here who are helping fugitive slaves. And as you say, they assault this, uh, the the farm, they kill people. Uh, Although blacks fight back in this, this is not just uh, a massacre of innocent or of uh, helpless people. Blacks get guns and start shooting at the white people too. Uh, are there historical uh, parallels or uh, antecedents for this? Yes, of course. I mean, the Tulsa race massacre, wh- whose anniversary is coming up next month. Uh, other examples of white mobs burning down uh, successful black communities. Uh, yes, unfortunately, that has happened. Wilmington, Delaware, uh, no, sorry, Wilmington, North Carolina. Now, the one thing about the Indiana episode, which I think is, ve- is really the pivot of the entire 10 hours, is a debate among all the uh, residents that takes place about should they help fugitive slaves or not? And there's the vo- and in a way, this is like the Booker T. Washington, W.B. Du Bois debate brought up to date. There are those like Washington who say, look, the only way we can get ahead is through economic advancement. We have to cooperate with white people. If whites don't want fugitive slaves here, there's nothing we can do about it. The other side, Mr. Valentine himself says, look, our job is to help as many black people as we possibly can. We have built something here almost against impossible odds, but we can't close ourselves off from the rest of African-Americans and deny that they deserve their equal rights also. So it's it's not a debate that one side wins or loses. This is a debate that has gone on through black history for hundreds of years. And I think Whitehead puts that right in the middle there in order to highlight that there is no one black position which everybody uh, adheres to. On tele- on TV, it's very vividly uh, portrayed. A couple final questions about the size and scope of the real Underground Railroad. This part of the story here is that there's a network of abolitionists, many of whom are white, some of whom are black. Uh, you have studied this question, especially focusing on New York City. How big was the network of white people for the Underground Railroad in a place like New York City, which was a big goal of yeah. freed slaves, well, escaped slaves? Well, a temporary goal. Temporary Basically, goal. You had to get up to Canada to really yeah. be free, but New York was a major point on that journey. The Underground Railroad is often exaggerated. I mean, that is so there weren't thousands of agents helping the Underground Railroad. I, I said in my book, in New York City, there may have been a couple of dozen 
people who were actively engaged in helping fugitive slaves. It wasn't a gigantic operation, but if you had these networks scattered around the North, and in some places a lot more than that, like uh, Syracuse, New York, a center of abolitionism, uh, they could accomplish some pretty uh, significant things. But we should not think that every, you know, every town was full of underground railroad agents. And, uh, it, but it, it was an interracial uh, organization, one of the things uh, very impressive about it. Uh, it was black and white people cooperating for a common uh, noble purpose. Uh, and I think we can learn something from that, no matter how big it was or wasn't, uh, for today's rather fraught uh, race relations. Your book concludes that this shows how a small number of people can accomplish great things despite massive obstacles. I think we should be inspired by them. To me, it's about much more than the Underground Railroad. It's about the history of black people in America. It reminds me in some ways of the novels of Toni Morrison which is, are grounded in history, but history reshaped by the imagination of the novelist, but nonetheless offering really deep insights into the history of the United States. So there were four million slaves in the United States in 1860. The number who escaped to freedom via the Underground Railroad was pretty small. Historians have recently been trying to figure this out. What is your conclusion about how many slaves actually escaped on the Underground Railroad? You know, this is a guesswork. Uh, first of all, a lot of it was done in secret. Uh, so, you know, they're not publicizing them. My estimate, guesstimate, whatever, was about a thousand a year got out. I'm not talking about people who try to escape and then were recaptured. A thousand a year. All right, that's 30,000 in the 30 years before the Civil War. That's pretty impressive. 30,000 people gaining freedom. However, as you said, there are four million slaves. So 30,000 or a thousand a year is not destroying the system. It's not undermining the system. Most of those who escaped actually came from Maryland, Delaware, the really upper South states. Obviously, it was a lot easier to get into Pennsylvania from Maryland, uh, a free state then from Alabama, let us say. Uh, but the key is that the Underground Railroad did two big things. One, the very fact that slaves were escaping made a lie out of the Southern ideology that they were all happy and well-treated. And, you know, the fact that slaves were escaping was itself a condemnation of slavery. And second of all, the actions of these fugitives put the question of slavery on the national agenda in a powerful new way and further exacerbated the split between North and South and contributed very significantly to the coming of the Civil War. So it had big ramifications, no matter how many people actually were able to escape. So we've talked here mostly about the real history what is your uh, conclusions about the Amazon Prime 10-hour show? Well, uh, 10 hours uh, was a bit much, perhaps. Uh, I did watch it all in the last few days. Uh, it's brilliantly done. I mean, uh, just cinematically, the, uh, you know, the, the photography, even down to the sound. It's always in the background, these, the, the, the sound of the rural south, the crickets, the horses neighing, the sounds of a bell ringing, you know, you're really in the world that he's creating. And, um, you know, visually, it's, it's really a, a feast for the eyes and uh, beautifully, uh, beautifully filmed. It is some of it is very slow going. It's not a lot an action movie. In some places it is a lot of the time, not much seems to be happening. 
you know, I think it's very impressive. I, I was, uh, you know, there, there is some pretty intense violence. And if you don't like that, you may uh, find it difficult to watch. But overall, uh, I think it's a very, very successful transition from a very good novel to the screen. And um, I, I didn't watch it on my phone, but on my television set, uh, even a small screen can be used very dramatically by a very skilled uh, filmmaker. So, uh, you know, I recommend that people watch it, uh, not straight through, not, not binging on it, uh, but it's well worth spending the time to see. Eric Foner, his book on the hidden history of the Underground Railroad is called Gateway to Freedom. Barry Jenkins' 10-part TV series, The Underground Railroad, based on the novel by Colson Whitehead, is on Amazon Prime right now, all 10 episodes. Eric, thanks for watching all 10 hours, and thanks for talking with us today. Uh, happy to be here with you, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big